that's what I am. I run a YouTube channel named T Jump, uh, youtube.com slash T Jump. I debate professors and philosophers on different topics. I'm an atheist. Um, yeah. That's cool. all. That's me. Cool. Yeah. So, um, my first question would be um, when in your own uh, personal worldview, is does atheism entail nihilism or do you have to produce some sort of existential meaning in your life or rather would it be somewhat i guess um an intuition kind of existentialism where you just accept your reality reality right now so this is my reality i'm gonna live it you know Uh, no, it does not entail nihilism. I believe there is objective meaning, purpose, value, morality, all those things. Most philosophers do. You don't need a God for any of that. Um, there's lots of different ideologies that can produce those things. Okay. But do you believe in one specific ideology that that works for you? Because, um, Or do you, does it like come from different uh, philosophical approaches? <laughs> Uh, I have my own ideology. I wrote a model of morality and an epistemology, and I use those as my basis of meaning and purpose and everything else. Okay. That's awesome. Um, can you talk more about that? And I would love to understand, the, especially the ontology of it. That would be uh, really great. All right. So uh, morality is an emergent, higher-order emergent property, kind of like fitness, so animals that can survive in more environments or have a greater level of fitness than animals that can't. Uh, that's an objective feature of the world. It's not up to opinion. It's something that exists. And what it measures is the relationship between the animals and the environment. Morality is a lot like that. It's a measurement of interactions between different agents in an environment, just like fitness is a measure of the ability for the organism to survive in an environment. So, Morality is essentially an emergent property like that, and that's how it can be objective without it being grounded in a god. It's just not really too hard to get that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I, I still um, find it hard to think about how this measurement works. What what is its nature? Is it some sort of so of like? And you say it's emergent. Is it some sort of like conscious, uh, uh, I don't know, a mesh, a compass in our brains? Where where does where where does it lie? Where where is it inherent? Uh, so do you know what fitness is in in biology? Mm-hmm. So it's like fitness. Fitness is just a description of how certain animals can survive in the environment. Morality is the same thing. It's just a description of how agents interact with one another. That's what it is. It's not not grounded in anything. It's just an emergent property of interactions. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you, you that uh, it will include the harm pr- principle there, that whatever is harmful to me, that's bad. And whatever is not harmful to me or others, that's good. Is that it? <laughs> Uh, it's about involuntary imposition of will. Fitness is about harm. That's just an analogy. So it isn't about harm. It's about uh, consent or agency, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when you talk about volu- voluntary, con- inv- is it in voluntary consent? 
So that does it mean that um, yeah. everything should uh, lie on me having enthusiastic voluntary consent, especially for example, if I decide to to go into a vat and some and but in and that vat contains all happiness hormones injected to my brain every time it produces a, a sort of matrix of paradise for me and then because i didn't go into that vat voluntarily that vat would be wrong or like immoral is that how it works uh sort of so yeah if you force someone to go into a vat that would make them feel chemical happiness no matter what without their consent yes that would be immoral mm -hmm. uh the idea would be is that every person should there should be no involuntary position of will so it should be impossible for any person to force any other person to do anything they don't agree to that would be the basic premise of the morality the, mm -hmm. the definition of what morality should be or whatever but, but i think uh there's a problem there though because for example if i were someone in the vat and I didn't know that I was put in a vat. Would it? How would I know? Because it it seems that its nature is purely subjective, in in my opinion. So if I never knew that I was put in a vat, how would I know that it was wrong for me to be put in this vat? Yeah, it's right. It's right or wrong, independent of whether or not you know it. So it doesn't matter if you know it. Like, you could kill someone in their sleep and they wouldn't know it, it would still be wrong, even even if they never knew it. How? I, I still can't um, uh, get into the... on why it's wrong. Because, for example, um, if I myself am the measurement of, of if something is good or bad because of my voluntary consent and the harm... Or not the harm principle, but more of fitness, I guess. Because in if I am the gauge of what is moral, then it would be that it, it that it's it's dependent on my own knowledge of of what is happening to me. You know, I could say that if if I knew that no. I was put in the vet, then that would be wrong. But if I wasn't, if I didn't know anything about, if I didn't know that someone was was, for example, bullying me in the internet, then I wouldn't know if it was wrong or right. No, it's not dependent on knowing. Things can be immoral regardless of whether or not you know them. That's, you're, complete, you're confusing epistemology with ontology. Epistemology is what we know, and ontology is what is the case. So it's like the sun exists whether or not we know it exists or not. Morality exists whether we know it exists or not. So things are moral or immoral, independent of whether or not we know they are, are or not. It's, it's not morality isn't right or wrong because we know it. We know it is just a recognition of the fact it's right or wrong. So things aren't right or wrong because we know them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now that you mentioned epistemology, um, I I would like to ask then how do you uh, where does the how how does your knowledge of this um, objective morality from your perspective come from? Is it some sort of uh, rationalistic argument or from more of an empirical understanding of the, the world? It's definitely empirical. So we have an experience of moral intuition and moral progress. And we're trying to explain what are what are those things. That is what's what we have this moral intuition and moral progress. We want to know 
what is the cause of that? Maybe it's a god, maybe it's a emergent property, maybe it's some kind of abstract object, who knows? And so we come up with hypotheses to explain these phenomenon, and then we use those hypotheses to make predictions, and then if the predictions are confirmed, that's good evidence of your hypothesis. So my hypothesis is that it's a higher order emergent property. I make predictions about what the intuition will be in the future, and if those are correct, that's good evidence that my hypothesis is correct. Mm-hmm. Cool. But, but then I guess then if it's empirical, right? So what if I never um, arrived at this empirical understanding of this principle? Would it then be, um, mo- I guess, moral or start to become Im- uh, immoral in that case? Because I guess then that because, for example, if there are no conscious beings to know whether something is good or bad, then it wouldn't be the case, right? So so in the sense that in a world where there is no consciousness, this objective morality would not exist. That's, that's no, how I look at it. That's wrong again. So things exist independent of whether or not you know they exist. You, you don't need to know they exist for them to exist. The sun can exist if there's no brains. Morality can exist if there's no brains. Gravity can exist if there's no brains. The fact that it, it doesn't affect anything doesn't make it not exist. So, for example, if there was no objects with mass, gravity would still exist. We'd just never see it because it wouldn't be affecting anything. It would still be there. Same with morality. It's just a description of how agents interact with one another in an environment. If there are no agents, well, the, the, the law is still there. It's still an emergent property. It doesn't You don't need agents to actually be there for things to exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I'm, I'm still confused on how it exists, though. For example, I, when, a, when there's a law, right? A law would be just paper. A law would be just um, the, an, a social agreement, which is socially constructed. But it wouldn't necessarily... I'm talking about natural laws, so like the law of gravity kind of a thing, not written laws. Okay. Well, I guess then that it's, is it some sort of dualistic nature uh, or it exists? No, it's just like a law of nature, just like gravity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I would very much uh, like to understand, for example, let, let's say then, let's imagine a world where the, uh, two billion years ago, the earth wa- had no life in it. Would this uh, objective morality that you that you believe in still exist, or it have been or pre-existing since the singularity of the Big Bang? Yep, just like gravity existed before there were any atoms, it was already there. But but okay, so and uh, I guess then that um, when um, but how but how does it start? So it's I don't I don't know how to ask this, but I guess that um that well there would be no use for this objective morality at that time because there would be no I guess no beings to be uh, to hold or have moral or immoral actions, right? Yeah, just like at, at, the big, at the beginning of the Big Bang, there were only photons, and so nothing was affected by gravity, so gravity didn't have any use at that point, but it still existed. So whether or not it has any use doesn't make a difference to whether or not it exists. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Then, okay, uh, I want to uh, talk about, for example, how it is applied in an, a normal everyday life, okay? For example, if I were to, um, to uh, let's apply it to the trolley problem. I, I, I guess that, that would be um, very easy to do. Okay, so, it, so if I chose, for example, to, uh, to, to save the, the five and sacrifice one, how would how would I know if something I did is wrong or right? Uh, you look at the models. You say we have moral intuition and moral progress. You plot them out and say, well, what is the pattern that describes what these are doing? And uh -huh. so, if we look at the pattern, we say any involuntary imposition will is bad, and we imagine the extreme of that, which would be the best of all possible worlds. And so, you can take any moral situation, like the trolley problem. Imagine you're in the best of all possible worlds, and then say, well, what what would be the the ideal thing you could do there. So essentially you imagine you have infinite power and then what would be the best thing you could do in the situation? Uh, it would be, so in the toy problem where you have a train barreling down the tracks, it's going to hit five people and there's a switch and it could go to one person. If you're all powerful, then the most moral thing to do is just to teleport the people out of the way or to teleport the train out of the way or to stop the train. So that's the moral thing to do is to save all lives. Uh -huh. uh, now you take apply the pragmatic limitations we're not all powerful so we obviously can't do that uh -huh. what can we do well we can we can flip the switch that's the thing we're physically capable of doing it's going to kill one person but save five and so there's less involuntary imposition of will if we pull the switch than if we don't pull the switch and so it is a justified immoral action even though you are still one will is being restricted involuntarily that's less than five so it's and it's the best you can do given your limitations so it's a justified immoral action and then the action you should take is to save the one Okay. So it's it's more of then that in that situation the, the the principle of utilitarianism is applied or is that it it supersedes all others I guess so because you have like um a choice or a choice to save the five would it, that that would is that the case then? Uh, utilitarianism applies when you are limited. So if you don't have all power, then you can't just do the most moral thing. Well, then you have a limitation. You can only do one thing, which is the least immoral thing. So in that case, utilitarianism does apply because you can only do a certain amount of things. There's going to be a bad outcome no matter what. So you have to pick the least bad outcome. That's not the moral thing. It's just the justified immoral thing. So the moral thing is to be all powerful and save all lives, essentially. That would be the moral action. But when you can't do that, then you have to use the utilitarianism and decide what has the least harm and what can you do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in that case, again, so, so when, and I, if I understood that correctly, then um, choosing to... To save one or to sacrifice to save the the one and or or to, and just ignore the five or uh, choosing to save the five and sacrifice the one are both immoral actions. But due to the utilitarian principle, you are um, uh, in a way obliged to to choose to save the five due to the utilitarian principles. So it's a it's a more of like uh, several models. Uh, manifesting each other or not manifesting um i guess working together to arrive at the least immoral action no it's the same model in all the cases like there is one moral action which is the one that there is no involuntary position of will but if you can't do that 
Well, then you do the closest thing you can to that, which is the least involuntary position of worlds. Okay. Not multiple models. So I, I guess I'm, I'm detecting sort of a hier hierarchy of actions here. I guess that um, one the the highest would be that there would be uh, you uh, all, you would be all powerful to do all that's good, and that everybody is voluntar has voluntary uh, consent to for what for all your actions. And then the second, uh, the sec lower than that is the loss of of their voluntary will or or it's either that you you in your limited power uh, you can only produce the outcome of your of, within your limitations and then it goes down with losing all of that is that correct sure that's the same with every moral model some actions are more immoral than others like it's more immoral to kill someone than it is to steal candy from a baby uh, so it's more moral to save someone to give someone your heart than it is to just help someone carry the groceries there's always more immoral actions and more moral actions it's all all moral systems have that okay well and and i, I, I want to uh, look at which uh which action is more uh, which value is more moral than the other? Okay, so for example, if I were to uh, uh, let's say that um, is injuring another person moral or immoral? Would it cost have to? Uh, okay, but would it have to constitute all the the variables in play? For example, if I were someone interested in in BDSM, for example, and someone injuring me would be would be within my voluntary consent. Would that be a moral thing? Well, no, if you consent to it, then it's not immoral. So if, if someone asks you to do it, to harm them or to kill them, then it would be moral to do so. Okay. So in that case, then, not all uh, cases of being injured or being or, or, exten or extending or giving harm to other people in terms of physical, is immoral, right? Because if, right. if it, it is well, part of like their... I said at the beginning, like I said at the beginning, what's moral is voluntary. So if, if you someone does something, if asks you to do something and you help them do it, it's moral. And if someone says don't do that and you do it, it's immoral. So it's all based on consent. There are no specific actions that are themselves inherently immoral except those that are by definition things that don't involve consent, like rape, which is by definition non-consensual. So it can't be moral. So it's not the actions don't matter. It's only the consent that matters. Any action could be moral or immoral if it has mm -hmm. consent or doesn't have consent. Okay. And then I have like um, two questions that have pop into my mind. One is that um, what can, what sort of consent is qualified to constitute something so, to uh, qu uh, let it be moral or immoral? Would for would uh, for example, if it were to be that um, let's say a child who's whose consent is uninformed and... Uh, well, you got to stop right there. Kids don't have consent. Kids, that's why like we have uh, consent laws for sex and mm -hmm. alcohol and voting rights. If you're under a certain age, you don't have the ability to consent because you don't have the biological ability to do so yet. So those examples of kids don't apply to my model because they wouldn't be in the best of all possible worlds they would, they would anyone in the best of all possible worlds would have the ability to consent so children would not in that case okay well so for example if if a child were uh not able to um to uh to say it or to to have consent to have voluntary consent then how would you, how would you know if what you did to a child 
is moral or immoral? Would it be that, would it come from your own act, decision making, I guess? No, it's the same system. So you'd say, if we were in the best of all possible worlds, that person would be an adult. And what should I do if that person was an adult? I should do whatever they consent to doing. And then you have to say, well, since it's a child, it doesn't realize that there's going to be natural consequences. Like, for example, if the child wants to eat ice cream, uh, like 10 pounds of ice cream or whatever, and the child doesn't realize that if they eat 10 pounds of ice cream, that nature is going to have a huge imposition on their will, whether they intend it or not, they're even going to get diabetes or uh, cold headaches or whatever. And so we can make a decision and say, the least immoral action is to not let them have ice cream because it will impose less on their will than if we let them have the ice cream. Um, and so in that case, we can make the decision for the child to try and predict what will have the best outcome since they are unable to consent. Okay. Okay, so now my second question is that um, well, who is able to qualify as some sort of an, an individual agent who is accountable for, or not, well, I don't know if, if accountability applies, but um, within the realm of who can, who, uh, where objective morality can be applied, does it apply to animals or only humans? Yes, all conscious things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in that case, that what would constitute, uh, uh, um, or what what is the minimum or the threshold with which you would uh, say something is conscious and unconscious? Um, uh, if it has quality experience, it's conscious, and if it doesn't have quality experience, it's not conscious. Okay, well, when it, when you say quality, though, what in terms qualia, of qualia? Qualia. Uh, qualia. Okay. Um, would it be that, um, let's say, uh, would ha would bacteria have this quality of of consciousness? No, probably not. As far as we know, only brains have it. So okay, so uh, in in this case, then um, it it's uh, specific to uh, all beings who just who have brains. That's it. As far as we know, like it, there could be more. We just don't know yet. Okay. But but in this case though there are several models where where um for example in in I guess the in the in the theory of of how consciousness emerged it's sort of a um, panpsychistic view which is that uh, the whole universe is is sort of conscious uh, but 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 for example non living things are more of uh, are conscious to a very small degree so. In in that model, I guess then everything everything would be uh, uh, would be subjected to this objective morality that you propose. Uh, yeah, if everything had consciousness, but as far as we know, that's not the case. As far as we know, okay. So and and well, in and in, in this case, then for example, um, how would you? Um, know for certain what the uh, hierarchy or the, the your stand object the standard is that is it simply a product of you rationalizing whether or not your moral action or your action is moral in in comparison to the objective morality that you that you proposed. Uh, no. We look at moral intuition and moral progress. Those are the things that 
we see as morality and we're trying to explain whatever morality is is the thing that's causing moral intuition moral progress and so we create theories of what is causing these things and then we make predictions based off those theories and if we get the predictions right that would be evidence that our theory is correct and that would be why we would believe it's objective if my model believe if I believe morality is objective and I can make use that model to make testable predictions and those testable predictions get confirmed to be correct that's good evidence of my model being objective mm-hmm. well in, in terms of testable predictions though um how how would you test something that is um set something that is a conscious experience for example if i for example uh, when we when we uh when when we talk about how my subjective experience can be tested i guess that my own, because i in terms of epistemology i would i would be the only one to know whether or not what my what my my conscious experience is we uh and and i i don't see a way we could uh in in a in a scientific way we could test whether or not uh, or what the what i'm experiencing is like from a another party perspective it's only uh, well, we can definitely do that we've already done that like we have fmris of we look into an fmri and we know what people are going to do before they do it um that's a pretty common thing now uh i could also just make a prediction like tomorrow you will see a red chicken or something and then if tomorrow you see a red chicken you can just tell me like yes i did see a red chicken or no i did not see a red chicken that would also be a way to to verify it so i can make predictions about what you will experience and then you can just confirm it if you do or don't um that's another way to do it there's lots of different ways to do it Uh Uh well i guess then that for example um in terms of let's say uh something uh, comparing uh, choosing between uh, an action that um is moral and another action that is also moral would how would you be able to use this model in that in that sense like for example if i okay so for example if i were to have like ten dollars to donate to charity how would i know if i do would donate to, to it to uh, victims of rape or or orphans uh same way you just assess which one has the greatest assistance of will and you give it to that group whichever one it may be and if you can't tell you just make your best guess okay then what it seems that um, we are simply limited by our knowledge on on how to arrive at moral actions in your paradigm i guess because in that no, sense that it, really. well it is because for example um if mine uh if it's it's only uh, limited by my epistemology of how i know something is moral or immoral because of this paradigm and i wouldn't be able to know the the all the variables uh taking place for example if i were to donate my 10 dollars to to someone who is victim of of rape and and that and no, no, no. So, so it's it's pretty simple. So, if you were in the best of all possible worlds and you were all powerful, you would know exactly what would happen if you gave the ten dollars to one organization or the other, until you know exactly which ones would have the most positive impact in one person's life as opposed to the other. We don't have that knowledge. We're not all powerful, so you just have to make the best guess we can with the limited knowledge we have. Which is the same with again every worldview. Every moral system has that same 
problem. Like, of course, we don't have all knowledge. We can't know which actions will do the best and which actions won't. That's not an issue at all uh, with my model. Okay. So, so I, 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 in a way, it's that um, all the variables that constitute or or are included in this moral paradigm of yours is that it, it's only what what's to my knowledge i guess for example to my knowledge the uh it is more helpful to to donate my my ten dollars to orphans rather than the other so in that case then it would lead me to do to choose that uh, donating it to this uh, to this cost would be the more moral action. Every moral system is limited by your knowledge. That's true of everything. Every scientific model, every model of everything is limited by your knowledge. Okay. So in that sense, then, for example, if I were someone who didn't know, I, like to my knowledge, she was, for example, in a, st in a case of rape, for example, right? Uh, and, and it's just a thought experiment. Um, if I were to, to my knowledge, she was giving consent, right? Would that, but would that be moral then? No, it would still be immoral because it wouldn't be with her consent. You just wouldn't know it. You would be committing an immoral action. You'd just be ignorant of it. But it's sort of contradictory though, right? Because for example... Um, no. Well, so again, but, your knowledge doesn't matter. What you know means nothing. It's immoral if it if it's an involuntary imposition on their will. It's immoral whether you know it or not. Your knowledge is irrelevant. Okay, then. But for example, earlier you said that um, it it's every moral action is limited by someone's knowledge of 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 a case. No, or... no, never, never. It is the never the case that a moral action is. Uh, limited by people's knowledge. Their pragmatic action is limited by their knowledge. So you can say the moral action would be to save all the lives in the trolley problem. The pragmatic action is to save one, the five and not the one. That's not the moral action. That's the least immoral action. That's the pragmatic action. So the pragmatic action is limited by your knowledge. The moral action is the absolute best action you could do if you had all knowledge and all power. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. So in, in this sense, then, um, my pragmatism is that um, I can only do what is within my power. So, so right, but, that's what pragmatic means. Yeah, yeah. But, but the question is, though, is I, I have the ability to choose uh, to give donate $10 to kids and I have the, the, to, to orphans and I have uh, the ability to donate to the other cause. But that that would be pragmatic for me. But pragmatism doesn't tell me what where I should who as to who I should donate it to. No, 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 no. The pragmatism means you use the limitations of your knowledge to make your best guess. That's what pragmatism is. So, which one you pick is just you use your best guess, and that's it. That's a pragmatic thing. It's not the moral thing. That's the least immoral thing, or the. Or or the most moral given your limitations. But the absolute moral thing would be if you had all knowledge, you could know exactly which one to do it. You don't. So you just make your pragmatic best guess, which the same is true of literally every system of everything. Okay. So I guess then that um, in a way, for example, when I, when you, uh, for example, with me choosing to donate to the, to the, to the orphans, that um, my pragmatic action is uh, only limited or, or, um, me, it's a, 
I'm obliged to do it because of my limited knowledge, right? Uh, no idea what you mean. What? What? Like, well, I did. I did. One you think is the most moral. Okay. Yeah, but but your knowledge of which one is the most moral is limited by your knowledge. That's what I'm talking about. Sure, your knowledge is your knowledge. So if you don't have all knowledge, you would just have to make your best guess. Okay, okay. So we're talking about the best guess then, right? So in, in the case of me, um, for example, uh, th be, uh, my best guess is that um, uh, 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 ha having re sex with, with this woman is that she had voluntary consent while well, I was doing it. Then in that case, then my action would be moral because it was my best guess. No, 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 no. Again, the action is moral or immoral independent of anything you think ever. Your thinking makes no difference on it at all. So, and it's only moral if you're doing something someone wants you to do. And so it would be the least immoral action if you did something that someone wanted you to do, but it hurt someone else. If you're raping someone and you don't realize it, it's still immoral. It's never going to be moral, no matter whether you realize it or not. You just think it's moral, and you're wrong. That's it. It doesn't. It changes nothing about the, the model at all. Okay. So what what I what I've seen here is that, for example, in one case, uh, an action ha was was more more moral than the other because it was uh it was more pragmatic. And nope, nope, again, nope, nope. It's it's more moral than the other if it does the greater thing. So giving the $10 to the one of the two victims, one of them is going to have more of an effect than the other, and that's the objective of the more moral case. You don't know which one is the case, so you just pick one. And that's it. It's not, it's not more moral or less moral for you to pick one. You're just picking one based off of your best guess. It doesn't change the morality at all, ever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, okay, well, I can't seem to get a grasp of it, though, because it's it sort of, well, I, I'm sorry, I apologize if I can understand it. Um, it sort of adapts to a situation, but so it seems that it's not objective, but I can't seem to... Uh, um, no, that's obviously false. I mean, the fact that it can measure all situations makes it objective. The fact that your pragmatic limitations mean you can't do the objective thing doesn't have any difference to the objectivity. The fact that you can't run at the speed of light doesn't mean that there isn't a speed of light. Like, you can only run at like maybe 15 miles an hour if you're a really fast human because of your limitations. Your limitations don't affect the objectivity of the speed of light. So, so there's an objective standard, which is the objective morality. Your limitations have no impact on it whatsoever. You can just do the best you can with your limitations. That, that adapts to your limitations, obviously, because your speed is measured compared to the speed of light. But it doesn't change the objectivity at all. Like, you're confusing your limitations with the objective standard those are two different things uh -huh, uh -huh. okay then I guess the, um, the um, so I, I guess for example my understanding is that there is an objective morality that or law uh, ha, uh, outside of my of my own knowledge and that um, whatever my knowledge is does not affect this law and then um, my actions, which are limited by my own knowledge of what this objective moral action is, um, is not, I guess, 
can only be moral if it fits uh if it fits this uh standard so for example um um as as we i said before that um it's my it's it's my best guess that in in comparison to what i think this objective moral standard says that um that donating to a child to an orphan is better than donating to this other one but how how would i know that my action is moral because um when comparing it to this objective standard this objective standard might say the opposite of what i believe so i would never really know if if what my objective stand if, of what i think the objective standard is is correct right with I... all things you could always be wrong like that's yeah. your knowledge doesn't change objective things things are true or false independent of your opinion or your thoughts mm -hmm. or your limited knowledge so you try to get your knowledge to conform to reality and you do the best you can with your limited knowledge and that's just true of all knowledge uh you say i have a hypothesis if my hypothesis is true i can make testable predictions if they confirm that's good evidence it's true independent of your mind and you can have a reason to believe it can you be certain no you don't need to be certain but that's just the best you can do and that's fine like there's you're just bringing up absolute certainty you don't need that you don't need absolute certainty you don't have absolute certainty even if you believe in a god you don't have absolute certainty you can be wrong about what the god says and for the exact same thing so literally every single ideology has the exact same problem you can never be absolutely certain it doesn't matter. You do the best you can with your limited knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, okay, then um, I guess uh, if I could repeat that, um, there's this objective morality standard, and I can only do what's uh, what's uh, best to to my knowledge. So, in that case, then I I would guess that this objective morality or moral standard is actually sort of irrelevant because. Um, because we're always limited by our knowledge and we'll never know what is uh, uh what is the in the uh, the whole grand scheme of things whether which one is more moral or not right in the grant we, we we have no knowledge no, again, the same thing applies to a god so if, if there's a god you can never know for certain there's a god does it make it irrelevant no obviously not so no well uh, i don't know if why you just started talking about god but um uh, because it's the exact same thing like the the objectivity of god if you never know it you'll never be able to know god exists for certain you just go based off of evidence but does that mean god is irrelevant no obviously not the same thing applies to morality if you can't know it, it doesn't matter it's still relevant you do the best you can with your limited knowledge just like you do with a god or any belief or any ideology or any system of knowledge at all like this your argument your questions don't make any sense you're just saying well you don't have absolute certainty therefore it's irrelevant like obviously Obviously, that doesn't work for anything. I don't have absolute certainty. The sun won't rise tomorrow, but I'm still reasonably concerned to believe it. I don't, religious people don't have absolute certainty for God. They can still believe it because it's still important. You don't need absolute certainty. Absolute certainty doesn't mean anything. Uh -huh. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised why, uh, in a way, why you're comparing this to God, but okay. Um, then we're talking about then the applicability of absolute certainty because... It, because if um, essentially my, whatever my whatever I think my knowledge of what of an action is uh, is if, if it's moral or immoral, then because of my limit limitedness, I would believe it's irrelevant, 
because um, okay, I might think this is right, I might th think this is wrong, but the essentially, I I will never know because it's it's, uh, I'm absolutely uncertain of it, right? Okay, so could you be wrong about what God believes? You believe that God says to not kill people or whatever. Could you could be wrong about what God believes, and you'll never know. Therefore, it's irrelevant. God is irrelevant. Well, I'm not talking about God here. I'm just uh, talking about... No, no, your, your argument is bad. It doesn't work for God or my homology. It fails for both. So saying, if he's saying that, you're well, you'll never know, therefore it's irrelevant. Well, then since you'll never know if you're right about God, that, then God is irrelevant by your definition. Well, well, I, I don't... I, okay, I don't care about that, but um, I just want to talk about your objective moral standard, right? So in this well, no, case, I'm proving why your argument doesn't work. Why it makes no sense. Saying you whether or not you will or not know something or not doesn't matter to its truth. God exists, and God's whatever God says is moral is going to be moral whether you know it or not. And you're going to try to do the best you can, even though you don't know, and you will never have absolute certainty. You're going to try to do what you think is moral, and you're probably going to get some things wrong. But that doesn't mean God's morality is irrelevant just because you don't know it. The problem here is that you just, you're not applying your own logic to your own worldview, so you don't see why it doesn't work. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, well, to me, for example, if I, if I, if I understood correctly, for example, um, you're right. It might be not totally irrelevant because this objective morality will, it does encompass all reality, right? But in terms of accountability, for example, um, to me, for example, it... If you, you because you started talking about God, divine command uh, theory would uh, say that uh, would be relevant to me because I know that I will be held accountable for my action, right? I think that's essentially why something uh, divine command is relevant, right? Because God will hold me accountable for my actions, whether it's moral. What does that have morality? Yeah. So, so like, if 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 Hitler killed somebody, but he wasn't punished afterward, it's still immoral to kill somebody. Like whether or not you're punished or judged after the fact is irrelevant to the morality. Things are good or bad, in and of themselves. The judgment afterward is is irrelevant to morality. It doesn't affect the morality at all. Uh huh. Okay. Then in, in that, but in that in that sense, then for example, it, um, again, um. I never know what if my action is moral or immoral in the grand scheme of things, and so then how would been I to me that um whatever I there whatever that objective morality says that my moral or or immoral action is that I will never know because and and at at the end it would just be leave it it would just be uh, left to me. Uh, deciding for myself. No, that's wrong again. No, again, you can know. It's just the same way you know with anything in science. You make tacit predictions. If you're right, then you know. You now know. If you get them right, you know. You're done. Will you know with absolute certainty? No, you don't need to know with absolute certainty. Like we could be in the matrix. Does that prove you wrong? No, you still it's still fine to know. You do not need absolute certainty. You can know with tacit predictions. None of that is relevant. Okay. Cool. Uh, I, and um, well, to me, uh, to be honest, uh, I, I guess that you've satisfied all my questions, and um, uh, and I apologize if I, I um, started being very 
uh, argumentative. I just want to understand it and um, answer all the questions in my head. Okay. Um, ha- can we uh, start talking about um, God then? Because uh, it's something that um, I think everyone wants to t- uh, uh, talk about. Okay. Okay. Um, so then I guess that um, because you're, you, 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 you say you're an atheist, would it, I guess, would you define it as um, an absence of belief in a classic theistic God? Uh, yeah, I don't believe in any God. I think there's no reason to believe or no evidence to indicate that any God exists. I think that certain gods are self-contradictory, so they prove themselves to not exist, like the Christian gods so, and the Abrahamic gods. So I think we can definitely say they don't exist. But there's no evidence for any God, so it's reasonable to conclude there are none. Uh-huh. Well, I guess then that um, it's similar to not having an absolute certainty in 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 your objective morality because uh, for example um y- you would never really know for certain whether or not there's that there, a god exists so in that sense it would have to be sort of an agnostic decision uh, so again no you can know things without absolute certainty so you don't need absolute certainty to know things just it's called fallibilism it's the consensus among all philosophers in and all scientists you do not need absolute certainty to know things so anytime you bring up absolute certainty that is not knowledge that's something different you can know things without absolute certainty so i can know there is no gods without knowing with absolute certainty there's no gods you don't need that okay then does it does it uh, but how do you arrive at this position uh, or this stance where you you have no reason to conclude that there is no god but where do you start when in this thought process there is no evidence so there's no reason to believe in the god therefore there's it's reasonable to conclude there are none mm-hmm. well i then but what are your uh uh what what constitutes as evidence and not evidence though that there is a God. Testable predictions. So if you said, I believe there is a God, therefore we're going to do this experiment, like I'll pray to him and he'll, a gold brick will appear in front of me and then you pray and a gold brick appears in front of you, that would be evidence. So just any testable predictions. It doesn't okay. have to be a gold brick. It could be anything you want it to be. Uh-huh. Okay, then in a way, um, it's sort of using the scientific method in order to to or to test whether God or God exists or not, right? Sure. You can use okay. the scientific method for anything supernatural, anything magical, mythical. All those things work for the scientific method. Okay. And what if the nature of something is purely is 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 does not or is not able to be tested by uh, material evidence, and so or you can never really arrive at something due to empirical evidence, but. Would you say then, then that you would need to provide a different way? Yeah, you would provide. You need to provide a different method to differentiate imagination from reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, then um, now that we're talking about that, I guess then the transcendental arguments would uh for God would apply here because uh, no. a lot a lot of theists would agree with you that um that be, that uh, you can never you can never arrive at God from ju- purely empirical uh. Uh, epistemological approaches. Sure, but the transcendental arguments don't do anything. So in order for something to qualify as evidence, the reason I use novel testable predictions is that you need some way to differentiate imagination from reality. You have 
There are infinitely many imaginary things you can think of, and any of them could be the truth. But if you don't have any evidence to indicate that, then they're just as imaginary, just like the infinitely many other ones that are also imaginary. So you need some way to differentiate imagination from reality to count as evidence. I use novel test predictions. If you can provide a different way, that's fine. The transcendental arguments do not do that. The transcendental arguments are just saying there are things in your imagination. And that's full stop. So they don't say anything about reality. They just say, oh, there's math. That's in your imagination. Oh, there's logic. That's in your imagination. Oh, there's beauty and, and abstract objects and relations. All those are all in your imagination. So none of that's actually evidence that those things in your imagination exist in reality. They're just assertions. So none of that is actually evidence because none of it actually qualifies as a way to differentiate imagination from reality. It's just all imaginary stuff. So, I, but in, in that sense, then, for example, um, when when you are when you're talking about the transcendental arguments and um, okay, so I guess then that you're saying that be, uh, just because a va- an argument is valid doesn't mean that it corresponds to reality in in a simple sense. Yeah. Okay. So, but when it, when when we talk about, for example, having a coherent worldview here, um, and you have like. Uh, uh, you're trying to arrive at a, 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 a coherent answer to to why you're existing, to what to how we justify existence itself or being itself. Um, from a the atheistic worldview, how how would you arrive at this? You know, answering all the the, the questions from from all the classical skeptics or. Well, there's lots all there's lots and lots of coherent worldviews. You don't have to answer all the problems from the skeptics to have a coherent worldview. That's not at all what coherent worldview means. So, naturalism is a coherent worldview. Materialism is a coherent worldview. Physicalism, coherent worldview. There's lots of coherent worldviews. Um, for it to be coherent, it just means it's not self-contradictory. That's all it means. So anything could just pretty much anything is a coherent worldview. There's a magical pineapple in the sky is a coherent worldview, like. Coherent isn't really a, a hard standard to meet. Uh-huh. Okay, so, so um, can you talk about uh, um, the, your uh, your own worldview? Because um, I guess then you're a physicalist. Uh, yeah, I'm a materialist, naturalist, sure. Uh-huh. Okay, then when we talk about, for example, um, a, a necessary existence, uh, how would you justify? existence the same way you would i say there's a necessary existence it's just a nature okay that, that, that things just exist in that sense they just they just not they they don't look for example they don't come from something or aren't caused by anything they could actually just exist right yeah just like you think god does there's uncreated eternal necessary thing it's just nature reality no god mm-hmm. so then uh, for example let, can, can we talk about the uh, for example the Kalam cosmological argument right sure okay so for example um, when you have a, a a finite universe I'm not well it's sort of infinite but in the, in the sense that um, did it have a beginning or an end I would I would uh I happen to believe that it does have a beginning 
And- in physics, uh, it's our universe had a beginning, not all universes had a beginning. So physics doesn't say the universe had a beginning, as in all universes are all natural things. It only says that our universe had a beginning. So in physics, nothing in physics says that nature had a beginning. It's just the specific universe we live in had a beginning. Mm-hmm. So in, in this uh, worldview, then you would believe that um, there is no such thing as a beginning. Only that um, it's both um, infinite, if eternal, in from from the past to the future. Yeah, there was some natural thing before the universe. And another a natural thing. Uh, so it's it's all infinite regress. No, one of them is a necessary thing. There's no infinite regress. So. So. So, but then the um, because you know, in terms of like a a causal understanding of of everything, you know, because you say that there's something that exists before the universe. Then how would you know that how that uh, thing existed in the first place? Then it, you would have to argue that it existed before another thing. So is that how you uh, justify it? What? I, uh, we have the universe, and we know it had a beginning because of general special relativity, the yeah. Big Bang. And then we have other physics that shows before that there was other things, and those other things have certain properties. And that's how we get to what's before the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, in that sense, then, um, and then you know, in, in terms of like for uh, when you say that the universe had a beginning and it had a cause, then... My my question is that it, it does arrive at an infinite re- regress, though, because um, then well, so like an it, infinite regress would say that everything has a cause. That's not what physics says. Physics says that our universe has a cause, and it could be caused by the multiverse, and the multiverse may not have a cause, and it may just be this stopping point, and it's, it's the necessary thing. Or it could be emergent space-time as the cause, and that could be the stopping point, and there's nothing before that. Or it could be that there was a multiverse, and the multiverse was created by emergent space-time, and then that's the stopping point. Like you could, There's lots of different ways to do it. One of them is the stopping point. It's not truly that difficult. Well, so you're saying that the sort of the multiverse is uh, eternal? It could be, or emergent space-time could be, or the amplitude, amplitudehedron could be. There's lots of things that could be. Okay. Uh, then, you know, uh, I don't know if there is a multiverse or are you arguing for that right now? No, I'm just saying any of them could be. There's lots of different natural things that could be before the universe. Any of them could be necessary. Any of them could be created by some other thing before that. We don't know what the necessary thing is. It's just there's lots of different possibilities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, um, uh, Tom, I just want to say that uh, thank you so much for being a guest in my podcast. It's uh, we've I guess that we're almost an hour now, and I I would like you to um uh, say your last words because uh, our a final statement I guess if you want like sure thanks for having me on it's a pleasure to be here um, talk to you guys later okay bye man see ya. so that's the end of it thanks for tuning in guys this is your host Elmo Ador Jr and thank you for listening in and please subscribe please follow us on Facebook please, please follow this Please. Thanks. Thanks.